All right, Mark chapter 14, and uh, we're down now about uh, uh, verse 27-ish, and uh, we're going to pick up here and, uh, ver- and uh, kind of work our way down through uh, this next little section here. Uh, we did verse 26 last time, uh, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And again, we looked last time at that issue there where as they're leaving the upper room, they're, they're going to sing that hymn of Psalm 118. And as Psalm 118, as we saw last time, looks toward the cross, towards that, how the psalm ends, the sacrifice bound uh, and uh, bound to the altar and that, that, that reference to uh, the cross work. And uh, he, they've been in the upper room. They've had the Passover meal, and then they had the new supper. We're, we're leaving the old, and we're moving to the new. And my blood is shed for the, uh, the, the uh, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. And he's going, so they go out into the night. And as they are going to Mount of Olives, and what I want to do tonight is just focus in on Mark. Because what Mark is going to do is Mark is going to give us the the skinny real quick. Where Matthew and Luke and John, they kind of give more, they give this more, more, not detail, but more of the conversation being had and more of the, uh, of just the, the overall, you know, the big picture, bigger, where Mark is just going to deal with, uh, a clear statement here and the clear details and moving forward. Verse 27, And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although All shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. And again, we're gonna, there's going to be some clear statements here. The Lord, verse 27, Jesus saith unto them, All you shall be offended because of me. Note, again, this night, clear where we're at here. We're in the nighttime. We're headed to the, day, the, the daylight side of the 14th and heading into the night and so forth of the 15th and, all of, and, and so forth. And, he, and he's going to talk to them now about the trials and the persecutions that are going to come to them because he's going to go and die. The shepherd is going to die, and he's going to be smitten. And that's why he says, you're going to be offended because of me, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. So there's this picture here where he's going to come in, and he's going to, now he's going to talk to them a little bit here about the trials and the difficulties because, as a result of, of Calvary and what's going to take place there. 
If you look at verse 32, and he's going to do it now really down through uh, really the rest of the, the, uh, the, the chapter. Verse 32, and they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. So now we're going to the garden where he's going to say, if this cup could pass, let's let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Then in verse 43, and immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves and chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And now we have Judas, and Judas is going to betray the Lord. Verse 50, and they all forsook him and fled. So, so as the night progresses here and we begin to see the events here that are involved in the, in the trial, verse 53, and they led Jesus away to the high priest and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. So now he's going to trial and then he's going to go over to Pilate and, and the Roman government gets involved and so forth. And, and so what we're seeing here is these last events and again rather straightforward with mark because that's what mark how marks immediately and and it's boom 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 but yet what he's going to do now is he's going to come back up there in verse 27 and he's warning them saying all this is going to happen to you because the shepherd has been smitten has been killed and the sheep scattered so again mark here Simply, straightforward, uh, it, 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 he's just simply recounting the facts, all right? And, and, and the core of the issue, the, straight, the issue here is, is you guys are going to have trouble because I'm about to die. And when I'm, when I'm dead and they kill me, they smite the shepherd, then you guys are going to be under the gun. So he doesn't add all the other stuff to it that Luke and Mark or Matthew and John do. He just, so I, I really, you know, I hesitate greatly not going and looking at Matthew and Luke. But we, as we do, we'll see some of that here. But I, I just really want to stay here with Mark, verse 27. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. That issue of being offended, uh, here's your Greek lesson for the week. The Greek word for offended is the Greek word, is the same word that we use in English as scandalous, scandalize. So the offended here isn't going to be, he's going to do something that makes them mad, but rather it's going to be this issue that they're going to be, uh, they're, they're going to be uh, driven away from him. They're going to want to get away from him because of, him and what's happening because of me he's offensive he's scandalous and they're going to want to move away from him and that's literally there in verse 50 what did they do they all forsook him and fled they because they don't want to be but now by the way verse 50 has a context because the lord has asked them you know hey I, you know you let them go and i'll go with you um uh, let's see, I just had it. And then they say, Mark, Mark, and Christine. 
and they led him away. Anyway, we'll get down there when we get there, okay? But because of me. So the statement here isn't a condemnation. And that's usually what ha how, how preachers look at this. But it's really not. He's not condemning them. He's not rebuking them. He's, he's not blaming them. He's telling them what you are going to do. So it's, this section here is more of a prediction than a condemnation. And, the, and again, and how you know that is because he says, for it is written, I, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. So it, they're going to go do what the word of God says they're going to do. So it isn't a condemnation. It's a prediction. You're going to do what you do because that's what Scripture says you're going to do. Rather than, you, you know, nobody, I know what the critics do with Peter and they call him a coward. Peter was no coward. These guys are not cowards and they're cowering in the corner. He's telling them, listen, I'm not I'm telling you this because this is what Zechariah 13, we'll get over there in a minute, says you're going to do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go be crucified, I'm going to be smitten, and when I am, you guys are going to be scattered just like the Word says you are. Now think about it. The Lord is the Word. He speaks it, and then he's going to go over here to the prophetic Word and show them. So it's what's interesting here is on the mind of Christ as he's going to the cross. They've come out of that upper room. They're singing Psalms 118. They've got Calvary in front of him. He's going out. Judas, they go into the garden. He prays. Judas comes and betrays him. Okay? He's, his friend turned him in. Okay? You know, I'm in the house of my, my friends. They go, they have the trial. I, again, he knows what's going to happen, but notice what he's focused on. For it is written. What's in his mind is the word of God. They, the, the, very, the thing that is dominating his thinking process and his actions and activity is what God's word says. The word of the Father to him. What does it say? It says, this is what's going to happen, guys. And I'm teaching you. I'm telling you. Here's the future. So, verse 27, For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Oh, there's, now we got a problem showed up. Okay? And again, the problem is the but Peter. But. There's no if ands, buts in the word. What the word speaks, the word speaks. Peter says, now there's a problem here. And the problem is, is that they're not believing what he's telling them. You see, their problem is <laughs> they're questioning what he's saying. Rather than believing what he said, what are they doing? Well, but Peter said. Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. See, that's a big boast by Pete, Peter, okay? 
But yet what you have here is he's really not believing any, anything that the Lord says. So here you got again, here's the word, the Lord speaking, and he's not believing the word that he's speaking. And then he shows him and he doesn't believe the scripture. So there's a, again, the Lord isn't condemning these guys. Peter just speaks up. Verse 30, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now, just by the way, if, if you look at Luke 22, I, I said I wasn't going to do this, but just see, I'm, I guess I'm a, uh, I, I didn't tell the truth, but if you just look over here, if you look at verse 30, Luke 22, 34. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou, hast, thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Notice Mark is the only one that says that the cock crow twice. See, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 34. This night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Well, when that event happens, come back to Mark 14, when that event happens, the cock crows, Peter denies him, the cock crows, Peter denies him, the cock crows, Peter denies him. So it's like he crowed twice. How do we know that? Mark 14. Matthew, John, and Luke don't have that in there. Uh, um, back to Mark 14. If you look at verse 30, the Lord answered him, okay, you're going to deny me thrice. Now watch verse 31. But he spake the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, and by the way, the Lord has told them they're going to die. You're going to come and partake in my baptism. That's the baptism of the cross. You're going to do it. I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. And again, what does Peter do? Lord, I just told you I'm not. that's not going to happen. And more vehemently, now he's just even... He, he's just, even all word I told, and again, the but. But Peter, but he spake. Again, the problem is, is he just told them, the scripture says, you guys are going to be scattered, you're going to forsake me, and I'm telling you, you're going to do it, and you're telling me, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. And again, that, the whole issue here is that they're not catching what Psalms 118 was about. And, and again, what could Israel, what, what, when we ended Psalms 118, if Israel had been in belief, walking by faith, they could have took the Lord like Abraham did with Isaac and crucified him and have been okay. But they're not. The nation is in unbelief. Peter and the guys here, they're in the same boat. Come over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. The Lord's talking here. John 5 verse 39. And, and again, they, they don't believe him. They don't, they, they're just not getting it. So again, it's, the Lord isn't condemning them or rebuking them. They're just flat out not understanding anything. Uh, John 5, verse 39, the Lord speaking here, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Verse 46, for had ye believed 
Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And that's the point. He's given them the word, and then he's quoting scripture, and they don't believe. He's told them three times about going to die, be buried, and rise again the third day, and they've argued with him. Paul, Peter, go back to Mark 14. Peter said no. They've all said no. Ver, the end of verse 34, uh, 32, 31. Likewise also said they all. No. The, their denial comes from not believing God's word when they hear it. They could have been, it couldn't have been said more plainer. <laughs> I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That's real clear. They, but they're not believing. And, and again, the, the problems here and where Peter kind of stumbles or falls away here, like with the denial as we go down through the chapter, is it starts with not believing what God's word said. But yet in the mind of Christ, as he's going to Calvary, going to do the will of the Father, what's on his mind? The Word of God. We've got to get all of this done. What does, what is, what does the, God, the God's Word? What does the Word of God say? So, verse 27. Let's run back up there. He says, Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. And again, this night. Verse 30, that this day, even in this night, again, how the Jew, the, the day, that's how they see the whole thing, but it's in the night compart component of that day. He says, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. So again, he, come back to Zechariah 13. Zechariah 13. Zechariah is right in front of Malachi. Zechariah 13. So he's going to quote here, and again, I think it's just fascinating what's on his mind. Zechariah 13, verse 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friend. Awake! O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Now, what you have there is you have two people speaking in the, ver in the verses. But when he says there, my fellow, my equal, the... My, the so here, by the way, the Lord of hosts, that's the Father, okay? And what you have is, is God the Father talking, looking at God the Son and says, my fellow, my equal. So the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark, quoting Zechariah, is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Same guy, same individual, same person, okay? Now, it's, in, it's, it's critical to catch this aspect here. If you go back to chapter 12, 
of Zechariah, Zechariah 12, and verse 10. Zechariah 12, verse 10. He says, and I will pour upon the house of David. The I goes back to verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. And again, if saith the Lord. You see that capital L-O-R-D? There's Jehovah. Okay? So here's going to be Jehovah speaking to Israel. Verse 10. And I, that's Jehovah, will pour upon the house of David, upon, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me, who? Jehovah, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him, Jehovah, as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So the one who died at Calvary, chapter 13, verse 6 what are the wounds in thy hands, is Jehovah, God the Son. But there's also Jehovah, God the Father. By the way, there's also Jehovah, God the Spirit. All three carry that name Jehovah because that's their identity. That's a component in who they are. So when he says, verse 7, 13, 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, he... Here, here's the Father speaking about the Son, and when he says this verse, the son, when, when, when the Lord in Mark quotes the verse, he is in full understanding. He's understanding completely and fully that what's about to happen, Calvary, is in fellowship full fellowship with the Father. When he goes to Calvary, when he goes into the garden, and he does, and he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, and he goes and he dies at Calvary, that he's walking right in line with the, with the Father and what the Father's will would be done. He doesn't go to Calvary in, 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 by being compelled by the Father to go. He doesn't go in, in an in argument or in, you, you, you know, bound and you got to go. He goes, Philippians 2, he goes willingly. He chose, he, himself, he humbled himself. He goes. So his death is not going to be the result of human malice and, and human sin and just because... The people are, I mean, the leadership of Israel is, they are mad at him. They are angry at him. See, the, the hatred and the malice that sin produced, that's been aimed at the Lord, it's not just going to be that that kills him, but it's also his death. Again, much deeper, more going on here is going to be in, he, he's, it's going to be right in line with what the Father wants to be done. He's going to be stricken. He's going to be smitten of God. Look over at Isaiah 53. And, and what we tend to forget when we get into the how that Christ died for our sins is that, yes, humanity and, and, and the, the hostility and the anger and the, and the, uh, 
the malice that just that hatred for the Savior produced. But he's also got the Father on the other side, Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You see, he's going to do what? I will smite the shepherd. So when the Lord quotes in Mark 14, Zechariah 13, he's not even looking at the hatred issue of man. He's over here going, you know what? The Word of God says that this is what's going to happen, and guess what's going to happen? I'm going to go and do that. If you drop down and look at verse 6, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, that's Jehovah the Father, hath laid on him, that's Jehovah the Son, the iniquity of us all. So the Father is laying on the Son the iniquity of man. So when you come back to Zechariah 13, that's when God the Father, here's 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 the Son of Man, the perfect Son of Man, my fellow. And what does the Lord understand? He understands that the, He's going to go be smitten. He's going to smite the shepherd. And then the sheep are going to scatter. Smiting the shepherd has to do with not only, it has to first do with the Father's will being accomplished. So when you think about this issue, uh, it, it come back to Hebrews. Let 13.7 go. The Lord Jesus Christ understands clearly and completely that he is not dying as a victim. You know, in our country today, victim is the is the is the key is is a sub keyword today. Everybody's a victim. He knows that he 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 he, he knows that he's not dying just as a simple result of man's malice and hatred and jealousy and sin produced, but yet he's literally dying, Matt, Hebrews 10, at the hands of the Father, and he's my fellow. He's in fellowship with his Father. And again, the, the Father told him, you're, you're, the Old Testament all through... You're going to die, you're going to, be res- you're going to be buried, and then I'm going to raise you the third day. So, he, so the Son goes in, the faith of the Son of God who loved me, the faith of, of Christ goes in, and he says, okay, I'm believing the word of my Father that when I'm d- over here on that third day, he's resurrecting me. And he does. He gives him the power to give, lay it down, take it up. The Father's activity is involved. And then, according to Ephesians, we see the Holy Spirit activity involved in all of that. Uh, Hebrews 10, look at, if you will, at verse 4. Hebrews 10, 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, all right, so there's the incarnation, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. When the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, quoting Psalms 40, what does, what does the Messiah, what does the Lord know? 
I'm going to die because the blood of bulls and goats didn't get it done. And you prepared a body for me, verse 6, and burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, here's the son, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, so verse 6 and 7 is the motivation for him coming into the world. Then now verse 8, we're going to explain back up to verse 5. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadest pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that's the law, the old covenant, that he may establish the second. There's the new covenant. And then he says, by the which will, by this will, the will of the Father here, we, that's Hebrews, the Jews, Israel, are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And we, we, we steal that part once for all. But that the whole context here is that when the Lord comes, what does he know is on the... I'm here to do the will of the Father. And when he looked at Calvary, and he quotes, come over to chapter 12 of Hebrews, and he quotes in Mark 14, they're teaching the guys that, listen, I'm going to go die, and when I'm dying, trials and per persecutions and distress, they're coming your way, and you're going to just forsake me. And they're like, no, we're not, no, we're not. And he's like, yes, you are, because the word of the Father says you are. You know, you, you blockhead. <laughs> You know, he just wants to say that, you know, and he's a little more gracious than we are. But, you know, he just, you know, smack Peter upside the back of the head. Wake up here, you know. But if you he knows that he's going to do the will of the father, that Calvary is the will of the father. And I'm going to go there and fellowship with my father. So he says, what? Not my will, but thy will be done. Look at Hebrews 12. In verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice, in the mindset of Christ, as he looked at the coming of the cross, he says, I'm going to do the will of my Father, That's, and the result is I will be sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. So he didn't look at it as a victim. He looked at it for the joy that was set before him. See, he, he, he knew, he understood that the cross work was going to accomplish the result of it, the, the impact of it, was him sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. So there, there's something being accomplished here. And ultimately, it's victory over death, hell, and the adversary, and the guy that has the keys to it, and all of that that we read. So, there's, so the thinking process, again, his thinking. He's thinking about the will of the Father. He's thinking about the scriptures that are going to, the seven sayings on the cross, the Lord speaks seven times from the cross. It's all in fulfillment 
of Old Testament scriptures. He never bows his head. He never gives up. He never has any distress, even though, I mean, I mean, they beat the tar out of him. He can't even carry the cross. They got to get help for him. But he's head high. Then he bows his head, and then he gives up the ghost. It is finished, bows his head, and up and off you go. So he knows, he understands the Father's will and his place in it. And that's, that's the motivation here to get up and to go and accomplish his part of the plan and to ensure that, the, that all that he, would, the, he endured, despising the shame. <laughs> the shame of what? Well, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. He's going to die a cursed death. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he goes and he accomplishes it, and he just moves right along. And he understands, he understands, go back to Mark 14. He understands Zechariah 14, or I'm sorry, 13, 7. He understands why the shepherd is going to be smitten and why the sheep are going to be scattered. He isn't going, well, what does that mean? He understands what's going on. He understands that the sheep are going to be scattered because the shepherd is smitten. He understands that the cross is going to have, is going to have a negative impact on that little flock. So he's getting them ready in, four, in, 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 in Mark 14. Verse 28, he says, but after that I am risen. Again, I'm what? I'm risen. Guys, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise. I'm going to, be, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise. After I'm smitten, the sheep, now what's up? Resurrection. So after telling them about the darkness of the cross, the death, he then tells them about the light of the resurrection. Because the father isn't going to let him die. But he's all, but, but rather he's going to, there's going to be he's going to raise him from the dead so he understands the whole scope he's communicating it to the the uh, little flock then he says i will go before you into galilee now you have to think about that come back to matthew 4 because this is where it all started back in galilee galilee of the gentiles See, this is where the gathering of the sheep started. The sheep that's going to be scattered, the little flock we're talking about, believing remnant, is going to be scattered, but guess where it got started? was in Galilee, Matthew 4, verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Now, he doesn't leave Galilee until Matthew 19. And in Matthew 19, he leaves Galilee and he's headed to Jerusalem to die. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. So Capernaum now is his headquarters. Nazareth is where he was doing work before. Now in his Galilean ministry, he's going to operate and come out of Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast and the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 9, 
uh, saying, the land of Zebulon and, and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, that uh, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice, they sat in darkness, and what did they see? Light. What's he doing in Mark 14? There's the dark, dark days of the cross are coming, but there's light three days later. I'm leaving Jerusalem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go before you into um, Galilee. I'm moving that, I'm leaving Jerusalem, the apostate center of the nation. I'm out of here. I go back to Mark 14, okay? Verse 28. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. I'm leaving the apostate center of the nation, and I'm going to go back up there in Galilee where all of this started for us. And I'm going to come up there, and I'm going to meet you there. Well, Matthew 28, guess what happens in verse 16? Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And he, ha- and he meets them there after the resurrection. So what he's doing is he's pointing not to the dark day of Calvary, but he's pointing to the light. By, by the way, look, come over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. He's pointing them to the light, to a future, because he knows something is, is he, knows that all, he knows that the cross is just a prelude to the glory of the kingdom. He knows the cross is just the first act we got a big act coming, and i got to get you there, guys. And, you, and the, the Word says, here it is. So look at, just real quick, 1 Peter 2. Look at verse 9. So Peter's writing 1 Peter late acts, uh, or well, late in the acts ministry. My personal opinion, and it's my opinion, is that, he, that in Acts 6, when they're, when they're needing help with the multitude because they're about the Word of God, they're not studying the Word of God. The Holy Spirit has already told them, don't worry about what you're going to say. It'll be given to you in the moment. So then what are they about the Word of God? What are they doing? I think they're writing. I think they're writing, they're writing James and 1 Peter. Revelation is already written. Jude's being written. The John's... First, second, third John, or why? Because they're getting ready to go where? Into the 70th week of Daniel. Okay? Now, second Peter, he writes after Paul's on the scene because of the reference made to Paul and so forth. And then Hebrews is written after Paul is on the scene and everything, and just some of the intricacies of Hebrews. But notice in First Peter 2, as he's as Paul, as Peter is talking to the little flock, and there he's looking to that coming kingdom the hope that sustains them. And he says, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should, should show forth the praises of him 
who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you. I mean, so Peter reaches back into the Lord's ministry and says, remember, he called us out of darkness into light. And we're his people. We weren't a people. Who were they? What did the nation call them? Publicans and sinners. Who are you? What school did you go to? Who taught you this? See, they just discounted them. Moses says, a foolish nation is going to nail you. Well, that's who they are. They're not a people, but yet what are they? They're the people of God. So when you, so come back to Zechariah 13 there, just so we can catch the other thing in that verse. So it's, it's, very, it's instructive here that in Mark 14, the Lord isn't condemning them. He's not rebuking them. He's just telling them, look, the word says this, and I want you to understand that we're not going to live in the darkness. There's light of resurrection life coming over here. Then in verse in, in, in 13, 7, the end of the verse, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. So not, o- so not only does the Lord understand and really say what the prophets say about being smitten and the scattering, but then he also says the end of that verse, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to put my hand around you. I'm going to put that hedge back there because you're my people. And they need to really understand that. So when you come back to Mark 14, because what's going to happen to them here? They're going to have persecution come and trial come and all of this is going to, and you know what's going to happen? They're going to begin to fall apart. And he's trying to communicate to them, I'm going to go and die and be smitten. You're going to be scattered, but guess what? The resurrection is coming, and I'm not going to leave you. In the upper room, he's already told them, I'm going to send another comforter. When I'm gone and I go to the Father, I'll send another comforter. The Holy Spirit, he's going to come and, and, and carry on. I'm not leaving you guys. So when you come back to Mark 14, again, the Lord is, his mind's right on the scriptures. Boom, boom, here's what the word of God. So you got the word speaking the word, and then he's quoting the prophetic scriptures. And then you get verse 29. But Peter. <laughs> yeah, but. What, Peter speaks up. Now, Peter has a tendency to speak before he thinks. Therefore, the critics and the theologians all call, have, they kind of talk down to Peter, about Peter. But rather, Peter, he's the leader of the 12, Matthew 16 and so forth. He's the head of them. And then what does he say? But Peter said unto him, yeah, he's going to argue here with the Lord about what the word says and then what scripture says. He's going to argue here. But so it's really, he's rebelling. He's rebelling again. He, instead of saying, said unto him, yes, sir, you're right, we're with you. We got you. We're on board. We're right with you. He says, no, uh, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. 
And what that not I indicates is where Peter's confidence lies. Peter's confidence doesn't lie in what the Word of God says. It's rather lying in his own strength and his own abilities to not be carried away. See? And yet, really, what is going to happen? He's going to be carried away. So what Peter does is he begins to rely on his own strength to not say, I never knew him. I never knew him. See? Verse 30, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. What a statement. A description about what's to happen. See. It's not a it's not a repeating of, it's a specific thing. You're going to do this. So verse 31, but he spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Now he's arguing. Now, now he's got that bowed back and that boom dug in. I will not do this. So he's boasting. His weakness, his trusting in his own ability. He's arguing here. And that, that really begins to kind of shed some light on some of the events that are going to happen. Uh, come over to John 18. Just kind of notice this. John 18. Um, it it kind of helps with Peter... And how and his activity here in John 18 in the garden after Judas has betrayed the Lord. They leave the garden of Gethsemane. Judas betrays him. Uh, by the way, uh, if you look there at verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, which was, uh, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples and Judas also, which betrayed the Lord, knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciple. Judas knew where he was going to be. So when Judas is in there making the contract with the leadership of Israel and, 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 and trying to figure out how to take the Lord without the people knowing, Judas says, 30 pieces of silver, I can tell you exactly where he's going to be, when he's going to be there, and what's happening. And he does that. Then Judas, verse 3, then having received the ban of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. <laughs> he, he just shows up with all the army, you know, the torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him, stood with them. I love that. I am he. The impact of the statement, see, all the group, they've come to fight. They've come to 
duke it out with them. They're, they're anticipating a, the, the apostles, the disciples to stand. But look at what happened, verse 6. As soon as then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. The power of his word just lays them out. No sword drawn, no, no need for it. Verse 7, then ask he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. So you're coming for me, you let them go. By the way, that's going to get back in Mark 14 where they all forsook him and fled. So as soon as they took him into custody, the rest of them, you know, they said beat it. And they beat, they beat it, <laughs> except for John who goes with him, okay? And actually what happens is, is John goes with the Lord and uh, sends a little girl down there to get Peter to come in and Peter's done denied him two times, and the third one's coming. Uh, verse 8, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If you, if you therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which ye spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then I'm he, let them go. <laughs> so I, he says, I am he. They all lay out. They don't get up, they get up mad. They get up embarrassed. They're not up, oh man, did you see that? What was that? They don't get up, they get up mad, they're angry. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, verse 10, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his uh, right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. By the way, that's the only place you know the guy's name. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So that, what did Peter do? Get the scene here. Go back there to chapter 14 of Mark. Peter, they come to get the Lord. He lays them out. By the way, if somebody laid you out like that, I don't think you'd get up and say, yeah, we're here for Jesus of Nazareth again. I think I'd stay down, you know. But they don't. They, they get mad. They're not happy. Peter pulls his sword out. What's he ready to do? He's ready to fight. Why? Verse 31, 1431. He says, if I should die with you. You see, how he's ready to die. Peter is. I will not deny thee in any wise. So Peter's attitude here is I'm, he, he's not, he, he has no, 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 uh, confidence in what the word of God says, whether it's the Lord or the scriptures, he says, I'm, I, let's fight. Let's bring this on. L let me in there. I'm not going to deny you. Watch. You know, he's ready to go at it. And again, the, you come back there to John 18. I should have had you hold on to it. Sorry. John 18. If you look there, Again, at verse 11, then said Jesus unto Peter, and again, here's Peter's problem. Put up the sword into the sheaf, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And that's the problem. Peter's problem was, was that the Lord's just given up. He's just surrendering. And that gets back to Peter being a commercial fisherman and, and fighting. My dad always said, 
we have relatives um, that were from Mobile, Alabama, on the Gulf Coast. And uh, you, you guys, you guys ever watch Forrest Gump and see the big shrimp boats? I, I have a, well, my it was be my dad's uncle or something. They own like three of them big boats. Go out shrimping in the past. Uh, a couple hurricanes came through and that kind of ended all that because it messed up the shrimping grounds. But the thing is, is they, they're like the guys on Deadliest Catch on the TV. They don't mess around. Peter's that way. He's of that cloth. He wasn't, and yet what does he see? He sees a Savior, his Messiah, just giving up. That's why the verse says, the cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Why? Because I will smite the shepherd. You see, the Lord knows and understands what's coming. So in the end, what does Peter do? He says, I'm ready to die. Let's go on. Let's get at it. And he's, why, is, why are you giving up? Well, because that's what the Scripture says. See, Peter doesn't get it. Come back there to Mark 14. You see, he, he, remember, they'll say, uh, he'll talk about Israel, and they have dull of hearing, hard of hearing. That's Peter. Just some spiritual dullness here. Not unbelief. They believe he's the Messiah, but we're fighting to the end, aren't we? They just don't, they just don't get it. And, and it's that issue of that unbelief. And again, Peter has that zeal without knowledge that, go, that is needed to go along with the zeal. He wasn't a coward, but rather what is, he's ready to fight. He's ready to drop the hat to fight. Now, 1431. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Then, he, then it's, the verse says, Likewise also said they all. So the rest of the group, emboldened by Peter's confidence in his flesh and in his ability to do it, what they say? We're with you, Pete. We got your back. And yet, verse 50 says what? They, for, they all forsook him and fled. So, verse 53, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, and Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. That's why the, the critics will say that Peter warmed himself at the devil's fire. And he, what's the, the thing there? By the way, notice what Peter's doing. He followed him afar off. He didn't give up. He's following behind a ways back here to see what's happening. He doesn't bail out. By the way, they're up in the palace. Again, John didn't forsake him. He's actually up there with him, sends that little girl down, get him, come up, and he won't. But Peter and the guys, Pete's just, that, un, that dullness of hearing, that just that little bit of unbelief there. Now, come back up to verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall 
pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Now here's the next thing that Christ does. Here's the shepherd. He's going to go be smitten. He's to be smitten. Therefore, the sheep are going to scatter. So now we're going to see that good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd show up. And he immediately begins to shepherd the sheep. He takes, he takes the 12 into the garden. Then he takes the, the, head, the, the big three up a little more. Um, J. Vernon McGee one time said that he always had to deal with Peter, James, and John separately because they're a little more hard-headed than the rest of them. Uh, I don't know, but, but Peter and James and John are the three that he surnamed and so forth. Peter was the chief of the apostle, uh, the rock and so forth. James and John, they're the sons of thunder. They're going to be the voice. They're going to speak for God. Acts 12, James is killed by Herod as Herod begins to try to put out the word from being preached. And then you've got John, who's the writer. He's the Gospel of John, the 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of the Revelation. And he's communicating that. By the way, it's with John in the upper room where it's, I, it's the Lord to John says, whoever sops the sop with me, he's the Antichrist, he's the betrayer, and it's Judas. So it's John revealing the Antichrist to the little flock and so forth. So you've got all of this going on. He takes them up. Then in verse 35, and he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed. Uh, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh, and he findeth them sleeping, and said unto Peter, Sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. They're sleeping. Can't you just watch? An hour, see? By the way, he calls him Simon, his old name, the, the old life. See, Peter, you're back in the old flesh stuff again. That's why he says the flesh is weak. You're not, in, you're not operating and functioning properly. And again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, now watch, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. He cometh the third time and saith unto them, now watch, sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Notice Luke, it's like they sleep for sorrow. I mean, it's been a very heavy night for them. A lot of activity. They're exhausted. They're mentally exhausted. But notice in verse 41, he says, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. That's a very interesting thing. But notice, he says, Sleep on now and take your rest. You see the colon? Here's what, here, here, now, here's the explanation. It is enough. See, he looks at them knows that they're exhausted. And he says, sleep, get your rest, 
because tough times are coming. So let's get up and let's go. And again, verse 42, rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayed me is at hand. He literally allowed them a time of rest and kind of re-energized. Now it's time to move on. Now, we'll, next week, we'll go back up and go through the details of all that. What I want you to see, the point here is he's watching over them. He's their shepherd. They go and they pray. They pray. They need the spiritual uh, power to overcome the things that the flesh is weak in and the things that are coming. So watch. Be prepared for, for the, the trials that are coming. But when they fail, he doesn't abandon them. When they're going to deny him, he doesn't abandon them. You remember when, when Peter uh, denies him the third time and the Lord just looks at him in John. He doesn't call him out. He just looks at him. And Peter knows instantly and, and runs. He doesn't condemn them. He ha he, he, this watch care of the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. He's watching over the while they sleep. And that's a great picture here. He's going to warn them. He's the shepherd. And he's warning them about the trials that they're going to come. When he's smitten, they're going to scatter. The unbelief is in the issue of them not understanding why the, the, he's smitten and they're scattering and so forth. And it, again, it's just wonderful to see what's on the Lord's mind as he's going to Calvary, not as a victim, never to cry, woe is me, why me? But rather, hey, it's not my will, it's the Father's will. Here's what the Word says. Here's what Zechariah 13 says. And I'm going to go, and in spite of their failures, I'm going to never abandon them, and I'm going to take care of them. And that's really just the, the, the heart tug here of, of what Mark does. And again, Mark is just presenting the details because when you read Matthew and you read Luke and you read John, you get overwhelmed in the detail, the added information. Mark says, here's just the facts. Here's what happened. And then you can literally, I think, see a little clearer just that heart, gratitude, and love for, for them that he had as they as the, he, he's now going to go to Calvary. So now, next week, we'll go back up, verse 32, and get the details and work down. I just wanted to just see the connection here as we're, as we're working through all of that. He's always their shepherd. In the midst of all that he's going through, he never betrays them. He's always there for them. He never abands, abandons them. Even, in the, even when they're going to forsake him and flee. He's right there with them. Why? Because they're his. And uh, he loves them that way. All right? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for the picture painted here in the life, in your life, as you are going to be smitten and the sheep will be scattered and how you, 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 you taught them and trained them and looked after them and, and just took care of them. And we thank you for that picture as we then can rest that you will do the same with us in, in the day, the details of every day, and also out into the future. In your name we pray.
Amen.